welcome to episode five of Sequel Pitch. Woo! Five episodes. Oh yeah. Joining me today (laughs) is the Cohagen of film knowledge. It's Drew Toynbee. Does that make me the baddie or Brian Cranston? Or both? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, cool. Um, All right, yeah. Hi, hello, by the way. Didn't there we go. Up next, he's as strong as a synth. It's Matt Rushton. (laughs) Yeah, you know it. Hey everybody. And lastly, He's as sexy as a lady with three breasts. <laughs> it's Andy Henry. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Hello, everyone. <laughs> so, I've brought you here today, and all the rest of the people listening. Uh, we are going to be talking about the 2012 hit remake slash reimagining uh, Total Recall. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exciting. But before we discuss the movie and, uh, and talk about what we thought about it, if the listen, if the listeners haven't um, had a chance to watch it, and they might like a synopsis, I'm going to do the 60 second or whatever time it takes us <laughs> synopsis. I love how that lasted. We're on the fifth episode, and we've already dropped that. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so here. We go. Originally adapted by director Paul Verhoeven in 1990, author Philip K. Dick's classic sci-fi short story, We Can Remember It For You Wholesale, returns to the big screen in this remake starring Colin Farrell, Brian Cranston, Kate Beckinsale, and I've forgotten the other Jessica girl. Beale. Jessica Biel. That's it. Jessica Biel. Thank you. And directed by Underworld's Len Wiseman. The planet has been decimated by the nuclear war in the late 21st century, leaving only two nations, the United Federation of Britain and the Colony. With, um, oh, hold on, I lost my place. Douglas Quaid, Farrell, is a factory worker with a stable job and a loving wife, Beckinsale. But upon learning that a company named Recall could grant him the memory of the ultimate espionage adventure, he decides that a virtual vacation is better than no vacation at all. But in the midst of having new memories implanted, something goes haywire. Still trapped to the chair as the system breaks down, he's branded a spy as the authorities close in and he quickly flees for his life. Later, Quaid discovers that he had a secret identity and he joins forces with rebel soldier Melina, Jessica Biel, thank you, um, on a mission to track down Matthias, Bill Nye, the head of a fierce resistance movement that's been labelled a terrorist organisation by the tyrannical Chancellor Cohagen, Brian Cranston. Cohagen seeks to control the entire free world and now the harder Quaid fights to defeat him, the clearer it becomes that his memory had been altered long before he walked into recall. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So, everybody, now, what did we think of the film? Boring. Such. (laughs) It started... I, I really enjoyed the beginning of this film. When it started off... Because um, I hadn't watched it, I had all I had heard bad things. I'd never seen it, been all aware of it, but and it started off, and I was like, "This is giving me appropriately heavy Minority Report vibes." Minority yeah. Report, Steven Spielberg classic, great movie. Colin Farrell, I think, in this movie is very, very good. The production design is super cool, mm-hmm. and the first like forty minutes or so, I was like, "Yeah, I'm on board." And then it just, for me, very quickly, all of a sudden, just just goes full speed straight into a brick wall and creeps <laughs> over the cliff of utter madness. Aww. What point? What point was that for you? For me, so the the beginning it sets it up quite nicely. There's time where you get to know Doug and Doug Quaid. He's 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 working the factory. He's a bit fed up. He wants a new life. Like he's he has ennui about him he has a lovely wife who's really lovely to him but he doesn't like her for so he's just not happy um yeah. and okay with fine. Kate Beckinsale yes is, is mental <laughs> um and then 
everything happens at recall and then it's full speed let's go everyone's after him like the police are shooting at him Kate Beckinsale turns around and tries to kill him and there's quite a good fight and there's a really good chase through the city and then he finds out he's a secret agent and he gets his suitcase and he has a a phone under the skin in his hand and it's all really cool and then he has to go to the United Federation of Britain he has to leave Australia and go on the fall and go through the Earth's core which is how they all commute like, show me the film of them building that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. anyway. Fucking great. Um, yeah. Like, he, he does that, and he gets to the UFB, and there's a little, uh, the United Federation of Britain, and there's a, a little callback to the Arnie movie with the with the um, the disguises and the, and the fake head. Yeah. And there's so me thinking, oh, cool. He's going to be a, a spy. Like, they've spent the last 40 minutes telling us he's a super spy. He like He's a, he's the most incredibly trained intelligence operative in the world. And I was like, yeah, he's going to get past these guards. He's going to do some sleuthing and some detective work. No, the head thing malfunctions immediately. He Instantly. immediately gets into another yeah. shootout. And then Jessica <laughs> Biel finds him on a motorway randomly. <laughs> and then it just continues from there. The, it, it's creative it, license, Drew. Creative yeah. license, man. Yeah. There's okay, yeah. the The thing with this movie is ultimately the whole point, and the whole point of the original is you are not meant to know whether this is real or whether it's a dream, mm-hmm. and that's fine and admirable, and it fucks everything up for us trying to come up with a sequel. But anyway, yeah. you can look at these the coincidences that happen in this film. Most specifically, Jessica Biel finding him on the motorway. And yeah, they mention the ra- the police radio chatter and everything. But you can say, oh yeah, but it's just evidence that maybe it's all just in his head. But I want it to be more subtle than that because anything that I saw that was like, oh, that you could interpret as it maybe being part of the dream or the memories going wrong i just looked at as lazy writing i saw that and i didn't go oh maybe they're being really clever i just looked at it and was like oh fuck's sake did she really just fight on the mo really yeah so yeah that's my headline thoughts on the topic of it being real or not um i can't really remember the arnie film but i know we're not trying to like um compare it to that but he he has a dream in what we know is the real world about how he got his scar mm. and then you know when he meets Jessica Bill he kind of goes oh it's it's right so doesn't that kind of almost confirm that this whole thing is a dream no well no because they think of it as inception in it it's layers of if, dreams yeah. they're touching on I think yeah that's my view of it inception came out not that long before well actually it was a few years before but um but it definitely came out before this came out yeah, and they yeah, were yeah. i don't know if they went oh, yeah i like that idea of you know it's a dream within a dream maybe we can do that with our film i was just going to say to you matt as a first time watcher or and not seen the original or read the book and i don't think anyone here has read the book not no. even me but i know something about it which i'll tell you in a minute mm. what did you think about the film I enjoyed it, you know, uh, it's, you know, it kind of set out to be a sci-fi action film and I feel that's what it delivered. I thought there was some clever, one of the scenes that I did like that kind of really had me starting to question things a bit was the scene in the foyer of the apartment block they were in mm-hmm. and it was uh, the chap that he worked with that he went for a beer with and stuff who was talking to him was like look I'll give the gun back because why would I do that if this was real and Jessica Biel uh, no and just yeah Jessica Biel was stood next to him kind of pointing the gun at him and it all got a bit you know it was on the edge of is it isn't it and you know it, it naturally that bubble had to burst and it was unsurprising when it did and it became carnage again because I, I feel like you know the the film had a lot to try and do from a an aesthetics point of view as well as a story point of view in an hour and 45 minutes so it just went a bit (laughs) crazy but I enjoyed the film I feel more than these guys did and I don't know if that's because I haven't seen the 90s version I've just watched this as a standalone product in a standalone movie I haven't seen the 90s version for at least like Mm. 17 years Okay. I, I couldn't help but compare it to the '90s version. I felt yeah. actually because there was so it was quite similar. I thought in a lot of ways that I just thought 
they've they've taken it in two different like there's two different movies the arnie one is a lot more like campy and goofy and a lot more silly and stuff where this is taken quite seriously quite um, you say that I don't, though, I don't as think well there's a single because... joke in this movie oh yeah no yeah yeah there's one where um he's getting he's in the first time he meets jessica bill in the motorway um, and he he's getting shot. Oh, okay. He yeah, goes, it's my wife. That's my wife. Like, oh man, I had to pause it because I was <laughs> off. And you're married. And, yeah. and, oh no, it's safe to say that we're separated. I did laugh, but that is the one joke. Um, I was gonna say, so like, it is different in the terms of, well, rating wise as well. Again, it's a PG thirteen movie, hmm. um, and the original was an eighteen. Yeah, it was very graphic. Um, I think they got away with it with using robots which annoyed me because they call them synths and like i've been playing a lot of cyberpunk and the synths in my world are like organic like like clones basically and when they're just robots they're not they don't seem to me like synths but i don't know maybe that's just me being not knowing about anything about the world well yeah you're you're maybe being a little pedantic about the semantics (laughs) on that one but like Ed, those things are not synthetic humans, are they? Yeah. They're, they're robots. <laughs> like it's clear. The first draft of the screenplay was just robot, and yeah. then someone was like, "No, it needs to be cooler than that." So, as for the people that have seen it, and well, and Matt as well, uh, seen the original. Do you see this as a remake, or do you see it as a like a reinvention or re reimagining? Because I I enjoyed it but I wasn't thinking of it as a Total Recall film. I don't know why, because there was so much that wasn't really... Because re- I imagine Recall to be this a corporation, like a, a big corporation-like thing. Because you're putting pe- memories in people's brains. Like, I don't think that this could be done in a shady little place in Chinatown. Like, <laughs> uh, and I don't... I th- That's why I liked the 90s version because it was like come to recall and it was like all adverts and i know there was an advert right at the end of the film but i don't know it just seemed a bit different to me and i was like i don't like that way but what do you guys think do you think it like was a remake or do you think it was yeah it i like the change of having the fall and this elevator that goes through the center of the earth as a sci-fi concept like the practicality of it's just it boggles the mind like (laughs) to get through the earth in 17 minutes but no one's affected by that speed until they go past the core and it flips over and that's when zero like no okay i'm not gonna get uh, i think about these things (laughs) too much i like that as a production design and as a concept is very very cool but i'm sure that i would have enjoyed this film a lot more if i hadn't been aware of the original and yeah. the ending of the original and the fact that it's famous for the ambiguity of whether Arnie whether it was all a dream because as soon as he sits down in the chair I like I, I get swept up in movies really quite easily I'm I regularly miss like twists I'll be watching a movie and it'll get to the end I'll be like oh, what and, and yeah. my wife is just like what I, what I knew that from five minutes in and I was just, and I just get too emotionally invested so I probably wouldn't have realized that they were playing on it being a dream until they made that a bit more explicit and then I would have been like oh my god but because I knew that it just didn't land for me because I was just constantly like how well are they executing this ambiguity oh it turns out not very well I I like the aesthetic, like everyone was saying. Like I like the the setting, and like all the little concrete sort of um, houses, and the, the the sort of the free running scene where he's getting chased away, mm-hmm. and the whole Eastern Asian vibe that it's got in. It's very cyberpunky, like post apocalyptic world. Mm-hmm. I, I like that. What about the um, uh, Nightcrawler cameraman scene? When he's get, when he gets in his first fight and like the camera just darts from everywhere. Yeah, and I'm just like, Parents, stop. Yeah, <laughs> it was Apparently terrible. Took him, I was like, it, just, why? There's 22, no point for it. I know. Twenty two times. Why? Apparently that took him to do that. takes. Crikey. Yeah, just pointless. I have to admit that for for the most part, as um, as we all did stage combat and kind of know what we're looking for a little bit, a lot of the hand-to-hand fights were quite good like the fight in the apartment at the beginning between the two of them was was pretty good the action of the chase scene is really well shot like you know 
where each of them are in relation to each other in the geography of the the cityscape while they're moving that was all quite good until it got to the fight in the six-way elevator um Mm. where it's just just jessica veal and kate beckinsale just punching each other in the face back and forth (laughs) for a full like 30 seconds yeah Yeah. it's like that downtime if anyone watches the royal rumble at wwe and they're just uh, exchanging for 30 seconds while they wait for the next wrestler to join (laughs) that's kind of how that felt (laughs) i it was i'll be honest i completely forgot what your original question was like Matt no, said I, that. I forgot as well I, I had one in my head and then I totally forgot anyway let's <laughs> cut that bit um, one, of my, one of my notes is it can't be a future without some dubstep <laughs> yeah yeah also if you have epilepsy in the beginning of the in the movie mm-hmm. uh geez I was like gee, even that was horrible for my eyes I was like Jesus I can't believe see anything yeah. um I I liked it but I do see issues with it like there are well the fact that you don't see the bad guy until 90 minutes into the movie you don't see brian cranston properly until literally the end that glorious hair he has also how quick are they to infect like they i assume they knew that he was going to go into a machine and then that's where they were going to find the position of the the Mm. um bill nye but they literally smashed through the window yeah. so quick. They were like, ah, you, I, I knew you were going to be there. Matt, also, they're in the no zone, which is what they call the, <laughs> the fucking irradiated yeah. or chemi- chemical weaponed rest of the world. They call it the fucking no zone. Yeah. <laughs> but they're there and they smash in through the windows and like no anyone wearing a gas mask is fine, no. but they shouldn't be. <laughs> but then also it got me thinking like, Okay, what is, and again, this could be something where you say, yeah, this is all pointing to it being a dream. What was, what was their plan? Because like, all right, so you have Colin Farrell is originally Cole Hauser. Assuming, okay, assuming that the spy thing is even real. Because he might be Doug Quaid all the time having a having a memory malfunction. Or he might be Doug Quaid who was actually Cole Hauser who was a goodie, who was actually not Cole Hauser being a goodie, he was Cole Hauser being a baddie, seducing <laughs> yeah. Jessica Beale, and then pretending to get kidnapped, dropping off the radar from her, ha- being properly, genuinely brainwashed, and being made to think he's married to Kate Beckinsale, and then going to recall and having that accidentally reversed. And it's just like that you can't think about it because actually yeah. it makes no sense like if they needed him to disappear from Jessica Beale for a while just like put him up in a hotel yeah. why does yeah. why Perfect does he need to be convinced they he's say he, it. no 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 but no but this is the thing he's already a good enough double agent that he got Jessica Beale to fall in love with him like yeah. why did he he's he is clearly a master human manipulator he doesn't need to genuinely believe it <laughs> it's it's just mad and like the other mad thing of brian cranston the like the premier of all of the united federation of britain leading the invasion force that's entirely made up of robots it's not like he's there to give them inspiring speeches he's (laughs) only there so that colin farrell can kill him in an awkward (laughs) fight scene that looks like colin farrell beating up his dad (laughs) I'm not yeah. going to lie, one of my failed drafts or something I was considering was that that was just like the perfect synth of the actual uh, Cohagen. Oh. And I was like, oh, I don't know how I can work that, that into been an better. actual movie. But I, I gave up on that idea because I think I have a better one. But it was also <laughs> something I was like, maybe, maybe, because I did wonder why he was the only human... Him and Kate Beckinsale were the only two humans, bar a couple of guards. Yeah, with and the fact that he's, he's on first name terms with with um, Kate Beckinsale's character Laurie, she never has a surname, and so yeah. at one point Brian Cranston's giving her orders, and he's like, "Laurie, get out of here now!" <laughs> and it's like, "Well, hang on." Like, are they on first name terms? Because she didn't know who Cole Hauser was, so she's clearly not like in the inner circle. But <laughs> also, appa- oh, it just. Also, she still follows his orders or wants to kill Colin Farrell, even though Cohagen's dead, everyone else is dead. So she's like, oh, I'm still going to kill you, even though there's no real point. I'm just going to murder you in the back of this fucking ambulance. Nothing like a woman scorned. 
Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, it's and that just adds credence to if you say it was all a dream. Like Colin Farrell is clearly a, a misogynist who hates his loving wife, who's a medic, like a fucking ambulance driver wife, who's really loving and gives him attention and affection. And he's just like, <laughs> God, I hate this woman. She's out to kill me for whatever she can. So we could talk about this movie for a long, long time, but I think it, we need to sum it up uh, out of five. Uh, someone might ask, have to give me the fraction because I am rubbish at maths. Uh, so yes. if you can top that up, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. So let's go with Andy. What would you give it out of five? Um, I watched this movie twice. The first time I thought it was boring. The second time I thought it was a little bit better. Um, but I couldn't help really compare it to the, to Arnie. Um, Arnie's one, which I liked a lot better. Um, so I'm going to give this one... Two breasts out of five. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's a lot of breasts. I, I really wanted to go to three breasts, obviously, but it's not that great. So, um, <laughs> two breasts uh, <laughs> Oh, very nice. Three, uh, two breasts out of five. What about you, Drew? Yeah, the, like I said at the beginning, I there's a lot to like. I think Cal- Colin Farrell is good in this movie. I like Colin Farrell generally, and he's good in this movie. The production design's cool. There are a few genuinely good action scenes, but for everything good, there is just so much utterly bafflingly bad. It it is lacking all subtlety, all nuance, and the reason the original film works where this didn't is that if you're trying to pretend something's a dream... Don't take everything so seriously, my God. And <laughs> so, yeah, for me, I, I, uh, I, I really, I can't be as mean to say. Okay, I think I am going to have to go for two awkward back and forth punching fights in an elevator out of five. <laughs> Very nice. Two. Out of five, and Matthew Rushton, what is your score out of five? Okay, I yeah, I quite enjoyed the film uh, considerably more than my predecessors here. Um, you know, it's something that you kind of have to take it with a pinch of salt. I feel like that with any sci-fi film because there is an air of, you know, uh, kind of imagination to it. It's certainly not a reality uh, that you can associate with. So I enjoyed the film. It's a for me. It's a stellar casting, by the way. There's some fantastic actors throughout the production, and that certainly wins me over a bit as well. I think. Is that because um, you have a crush on some of the some of the cast members? Not necessarily, <laughs> but what I will say is that I, I will definitely score this. Oh, yeah, I have basically <laughs> all, all four of them. Yeah. The the yeah, it's certainly a very aesthetically pleasing casting, um, <laughs> and with that, I will give this film three and a half wonderful Whoa, Kate Beckinsale's wow. out of five. Hang on. Wow! Hang on. So, what have you have you rated this higher than any of our any of the other films we've watched? I've rated this higher than Rampage and World War Z on par Whoa. with. Whoa! Really? Higher wow. than World. Wow! On very par nice. with Labyrinth, my God! <laughs> I am gonna give. I'm not gonna. I, I won't take ages giving an explanation. I will give it a bit passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm just. I, I, you know, you've said it all. Like everyone said it all. Like I agree with everything that everyone said. Um, I will give it three Colin Farrell eyebrows out of five. <laughs> So there you have it. But we will go down to score corner to find out what uh, the overall scores are with Matt Rushton. Thank you very much. Uh, Well, I can tell you, everybody, that Total Recall, the 2012 version, is our lowest scoring film to date. That does good. Bind total of 2.625. Just over... Just over half. So it doesn't get a recommendation from us, unfortunately. Um, So there you have it. We've reviewed the film, uh, and now there's only one thing left to do. What's that, Ross? 
It's time to get your sequels pitched. What a little suck up. (laughs) (laughs) So, you are going to pitch to me the sequel to the Colin Farrell wonderful film Total Recall which we don't recommend Um, (laughs) which makes it really awkward because people should watch the film because that's the the idea of the podcast is we want people to watch the film but then we go don't watch it that's why we announce it at the end of the week before like (laughs) you shouldn't have watched it (laughs) 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 jokes on you All right, so I'm going to go with first person on my list to pitch me your sequel. It is Matt. I mean, I'm not going to say your time starts now because we never time it. So, but your pitch starts now. Okay, I am bringing you today, chaps, and everybody listening, TR2, Colony Wars. The colony is separated from the UFB and the world has changed. It's been 10 years since the final fall and the surface and on the surface the colony is thriving the economy is beginning to boom in the cities and there there's a feeling of happiness and optimism on the streets but looks can be deceiving there are whispers of the golden age a radical group of ufb residents that were trapped on the colony handling their various businesses and their wealth and their power is the veil No one knows who they are or where they are, but high-ranking officials and members of the first government are being bumped off, and the leads dry up very, very quickly. How's a millionaire in love? They're reintroduced in a similar opening scene to the first Total Recall film, Happy, enjoying a moment together in their apartment, and they're singing the end of a song, They All Fall Down. They run the newly-ish formed TCPD, uh, that's the Colony Police Department, and realise that this isn't a coincidence. Uh, they they take the investigation into their own hands, and uh, when rumours circle of uh, of an assassin known only as the Widow, who begins appearing and kind of being whispered on people's lips, something tells them they know who the assassin is. The trail for the Widow in the Golden Age leads Hauser Molina into some familiar territory, and into the No Zone, the house actually of the Resistance, specifically in Matthias. They are ambushed by the widow, who is revealed to be none other than Laurie Quaid. Oh, <laughs> oh no way. Bombshell. Dun, dun, dun. And she manages to strap Hauser into that memory chair. She explains how a rogue medic was a family to one of the UFB colonists and keeps her alive. She feeds him his original memories of being the double agent, so he becomes the original, original Hauser, who's a bad guy. But as the procedure's kind of finishing up, Melina manages to break free from her constraints and manages to short the machine's power. So he kind of looks like he's dead for a minute. Then he comes out, he kind of wakes up, um, and he's got his original memories, but they're kind of interlaced with his new ones. And he has kind of like the montage fighting his thoughts, and uh, he fights both Laurie and Melina and he ends up getting them both on the ground and he's trying to decide which time to shoot uh, the memory strands are kind of interlooping and we ca- we have like a close up of his face and at the end of it we just see Hauser's face as it says they all fall down and we hear a gunshot the next scene it's Hauser and Laurie walking out together with a smile on her face as he talks of the hatred he has for the resistance and what he was made to do in their name they head out, hunker down into in the widow's kind of other house, a second hideout, and they get drunk. Turns out that Laurie, in fact, had a thing for Hauser in the past. She did know him, um, and which is why she could play his wife so convincingly. And the two share a night, inverted commas. Uh, the next day, Laurie wakes up and Hauser isn't there. He appears like she's getting more and more frantic and worried and like con- kind of angry and concerned about him playing her. Uh, but he appears just in time. He's had a shave, he's had a haircut, and he's sporting a new outfit with a badge, which is a really old UFB insignia. And he's like, right, it's time for me to take my rightful place in the colony wars and meet the golden age. So she realizes how important he is, takes her to go meet them. They head into Golden Age, Age HQ, which ironically is in the commercial district at the top of the same tower block that the TCPD is located in, hiding in plain sight and all that. It's genius. 
The Golden Age are hesitant to trust the <laughs> widow and Hauser, stating that she could have brought the enemy in, but Hauser actually shares all the intel and information he has on all of them. Carrying on with the whole, like, is he a bad guy now? Um, obviously, they are like, holy shit, he like, thanks for sharing all this. We better cover our tracks better. Uh, it buys their trust. Um, because of this, they then share some of the intel that they've actually, whilst the fall broke and like you know that's not running anymore there's a cargo lift that does work and they've been using that for the past 10 years to share plans between the ufb and the colony ship a load of synths down there's now an army of synths just outside of the city in storage containers and it is actually being led by introducing new character here uh cohagen's son uh, he's the one over in UFB that's actually helping to orchestrate this and the plan is that they're <laughs> going to overthrow the government in the colony, take over the colony and it's going to become uh, a kind of slave state again um, that's all great they're all really happy, it's going to happen in just three days time and it's all like amazing, so Laurie and Laurie and uh, gosh almighty his name Hauser <laughs> Laurie and Hauser go to leave. She hugs him, really proud of him, and she feels a vibration in her chest. It's actually his badge. She pulls away in confusion and stares at him coldly. The pin drops just as the windows shatter in the penthouse and there's gunfire. Fucking Melina turns back up in a ship. She's still alive and is not alone because as she's popping off and shooting all these bad guys, the doors burst in and in swoop the TCPD. They gun down some of the fighters. The rest of the non-combatants get arrested. Laurie, of course, in all the frantic assembly and excitement, does escape with the machine to control the synths because she's a badass. So the film then proceeds with a race against time. Hauser and Melina trying to hunt her down with what little information they have. They do catch up to her, but not before she's activated the synths. There's then a fight for the device. Melina finally manages to kill Laurie somehow. I haven't decided that. That's the director's choice. But not before a quip about the night that her and her husband spent together. They do shut down the synths and destroy the machine. <laughs> And then they head back to the TCPD. However, they discover that the force bringing in the fugitives was ambushed en route and the prisoners escaped. As Hauser and Molina rush to the full site, they see a cargo lift leaving. They're too late. But they do have the names. Trilogy hashtag. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. Well done, Matt. I've got a few questions. Of course. Who do you see playing Cohagen's son? How old is he? Oh, good question. Um, I feel like late 20s to early 30s. I can't tell you who I cast in it. I haven't even thought that far ahead. No worries. Didn't Laurie spend the entire movie trying to kill him on the behest of Cohagen? What is her plan in this movie? So she knows about the true uh, Hauser and that he was a bad guy. He was really bad to the bone um, with these memories that she has. She, you know, you could write it in that she um, studies the memories and learns just how evil he is. And therefore she wants to bring that guy back. And that's kind of her plan to lure him into Matthias's old resistance HQ where those memories are currently sat in that chair. So her plan is to get his old memories back and have him join the... Hell um, yeah, hell yeah. He's okay. like, he can be like the, the captain at the front lines because he's that evil. <laughs> yeah, I, I get you think he's, he's evil. He's really, really evil. <laughs> he's, he's super evil. He punches children in the yeah. face evil. Yeah. Uh, okay. Isn't Laurie there? when Quaid supposedly shoots Melina because you say that uh, they leave the they uh, that Laurie leaves with Quaid mm-hmm. yeah and Melina's not there so how do you explain what is where does she shoot her in the like chest or you know like- I mean I, I kind of hoped that my uh, close-up <laughs> shot and 
the bit the fact that he sings the same song that they sing in bed together hints that this is part of a plan you know it's his way of subversively communicating with hey, her hey, uh, um I'm just I, asking perhaps questions. perhaps he could give her a nice emblem that he shoots her in and doesn't kill her because it's bulletproof i don't know um, no, I just wondered, mate. I just wondered. That's no, all. You know, I, 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 I was thinking more of the beauty of the subtlety of the they all, all fall right. down with a smirk. Yeah. You yeah. If you're going to insult the fact that I didn't pick up on that, then I may not pick yours. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'm really glad you brought it up. I hadn't thought of the actual clarity and logistics of it. I thought just the idea that he would shoot her was enough to buy no, Melina's like heart. I like it. It's a little. It's a plan. I like Lina's it. Um, so the Golden not. Age uh, seemed to trust Quaid quite easily. Mm. Uh, what kind of information do you think they're going to share? Uh, he would share from the LA. Uh, well, not the LAPD. The, the TCPD. whatever they called the TCPD. Um, Sounds like a disinfectant. I guess <laughs> lots of racketeering charges. Uh, running of underground businesses and black market business um depending on the age rating you know you could go a bit darker with some of the material that they're being arrested for um okay. certainly there can be counts linking them directly to widow uh you know things like that linking them directly to assassinations or you know they take seats of power from the people that have been bumped off like very nice now, those are all the questions I have. They're mainly story ones. I just wanted a clarification on. Uh, thank you for your pitch. Thank you. Guys. Um, now, well now get out of my office, please. Get out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, now, up next is Drew Toynbee. Your your pitch starts now. Okay. Um, I swear. I swear to God that I did not read Matt's <laughs> before yes. I wrote mine. Okay. Just to let, yeah, we do not look at each other's before we, uh, when we write them. Um, so, so, yeah. Yeah, it, you'll, you'll see. It's, there are some similarities, but we ultimately go in a different direction. So mine uh, is Total Recall, colon, of course, Overload, because I couldn't think of anything better than that. Um <laughs> So, nine years on from the events of the last movie, the colony has been renamed to Haven. Uh, the movie opens with the president of the colony giving a speech outside of a gleaming new factory. She describes how in just a few years of having its workforce able to focus on the well-being of its own people rather than working for the people of the UFB, Haven has been able to begin to make real changes. Uh, they've invested in renewable energy and renewable farming and they're helping to turn Haven into a place that matches the new name that it's been given. While this speech is being given, Doug and Melina move through the crowd, now high-ranking officers of the Haven Defence Agency, the HDA. <laughs> <laughs> Bloody hell. They they sort of talk back and forth on their earpieces about how they were pulled off of a missing persons case um, because there was a tip of a, a potential attack on the president. The speech starts to come to a crescendo and the president says the best is yet to come. She says that the, the brightest scientific minds in Haven are nearing a solution to the chemical wasteland of the no zone. And once they reach their goal, there'll be true hope for humanity once again. They can take the work that they've done for their own people and they can give it to all the people of the earth. As the crowd cheers. Doug sees a shadowy figure moving towards the stage. He's just about to close in, but he's grabbed by someone else in the crowd. Doug Quaid is grabbed by someone else in the crowd and quickly given an injection. The attacker saying, it's time to wake up, Doug. The original assailant, who was walking towards the stage, turns around and sees this, and then processes it, nods at the man who grabbed Doug, then raises his pistol at the president, but Melina arrives and takes him down um, as the guy who injected Doug disappears into the crowd. The captured attacker is interrogated and gives up some information and says that the UFB have stepped up their attacks because they can't allow the colony to be the people who save the world because then anyone left in the UFB will completely lose faith in the government um, and so the UFB wants to be the people who do it first the president joins the interrogation and comes in and says that 
work on cleaning the nozone is being done in just the most secure location in all of Haven. And it would take a it would take millions of people. It would take a full army to stop them. Doug is in there is interrogating him and tries to press for more information, but starts to have weird flashes in his mind. And the prisoner turns around to him and says, Besides, we have other methods. We can get inside your heads. You know that better than most, don't you, Hauser? And then as he laughs, Doug turns to the president, begins to reach for his service weapon, but he catches himself just before he's bundled out of the room. Doug is now a prisoner. His superiors are speaking to him and telling him that he'll be detained until they can he can be fully mentally processed and assessed. Um, Doug, sort of racking his brain, realises that the UFB's plot must involve the technology that Recall use in some way and that they plan on bringing Hauser out in him and maybe doing something beyond that as well. So he needs to go to Recall, but no one will listen. He's getting desperate and Melina comes in and breaks him out and they go on the run. And before they leave, he tells Melina about the injection because he hasn't told anyone about it. And he tells her that he's worried that Cole Hauser is trying to come back out and that he might hurt her if he does. And Melina tells him that they have even more reason to go now. And so they go. Recall, since the time of the destruction of the fall, um, their head offices were in the UFB. So their largest facility is still there, but it's derelict. And Doug and Melina make their way there, sort of escaping the police. You have a couple of chase scenes on the way, because why not? Um, they break in and they find a group of UFB loyalists, but they've taken a load of people and they recognise some of them as the missing people they were looking for before they were put on presidential detail. Um, they've got them in cages, but what they see is them using an aerosolized version of the memory formula that they had at recall. And when they do it, the prisoners go from struggling and trying to escape to saluting a flag of the UFB or maybe something a little more subtle um, and agreeing to go along with the plans to dis- to find the labs and destroy them and they say that the plan is to release this aerosol across the entire colony and just turn everyone in the colony to the ufb in one fell swoop um as doug and million move through the facility doug's getting more and more flashes um and he reaches the stage where he starts to fight with Melina and it sort of it keeps getting it back under, under control. But then they find a scientist in an old clean in a sort of clearly derelict but cleaned up lab. Um, she's been forced to work on the mind overload drug by the UFB. Um, Doug and Melina free her and take out her guards. And she says she can reverse the effects and starts working on uh, an aerosol that will reverse what's been done to the people who have already been infected. Um, and Doug tells her that. She needs to look at him afterwards. Um, at this point, they're discovered. The bad guys come in. There's a big, big fight. And I see a really cool action scene where there's the scientist, um, uh, Dr. Freus. I don't know why. Um, trying to create the anti-serum in the lab whilst Doug and Melina are fighting each other and um, fight, uh, are fighting the bad guys and fighting each other as Doug's other personality keeps fighting to get through, um, but sort of holding it back. In the end, after a few close calls... Um, the anti-serum gets sprayed through the facility and all the freed people who had been turned turn on their captors and they win and everyone seems really happy but Doug's like properly losing his mind Um, Dr. Freud starts looking him over and he has a really beautiful talk with Melina about how she's made him really happy he doesn't want to lose who he is doesn't want to lose her she's about to say something back but then Dr. Freud looks shaken she says it's not it's not Hauser trying to come out that you're projecting this Hauser person. It's you. It's it's Douglas Quaid, but from another world where 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 the fall wasn't destroyed, where the colony is, where Haven is still the colony. I don't understand what what what's happening. She realizes she, the Doctor, isn't real. Melina isn't real. Doug is fighting it, trying not to wake up, holding Melina in a panic. But then he wakes. He has been in a coma for nine years. At his bedside, we see Laurie and Harry, who are overjoyed to see Doug waking. They explain he went into the recall machine, but it malfunctioned. It didn't give him new memories. It trapped him inside them. It's taken them nine years of therapy and treatment with Laurie and Harry and Doug's other co-workers at the factory putting money in to keeping him stable and safe and working on treatment. Doug's confused and heartbroken, asking where Melina is, calling out her name. So Laurie is heartbroken. Harry is there explaining, like, even though you shot me in your dream, like, we're still here. We knew that you wouldn't accept us trying that again, but we're still here. Um, And Doug 
recovers and sort of re-enters the world and the colony's still the same downtrodden place that it was the ufb is still standing the whole plot with the robots killing everyone in the colony was a was part of the dream that hasn't happened they're still exploiting everyone in the colony for their labor um and the resistance was destroyed five years ago there is no longer a resistance um but slowly he apologizes to laurie and realizes that he he reacted he did what he did because he was sad he was frustrated and sad at the state of the world and it drove him to create an imagined life in his mind to let him run away from all of this but then he realizes rather than trying to run he should be doing more to save it and he goes out and he meets more people he reconciles with Laurie and slowly and tentatively and they become friends again and Harry and the other workers start to build an organization they get more people on side and the film ends with a montage of the people of the whole colony coming together and despite being oppressed by the UFB Doug's voiceover at the end says if the world isn't fair if the world isn't right if you can try not to run try to fight for what it should be and then it ends oh, oh. Mm-hmm. matt's face in that was priceless. yeah that was quite funny yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, the the fact that we have like so, there's so many similarities and then we just went completely yeah. the opposite direction yeah. <laughs> the fact that he was actually in the coma the whole time it breaks my heart <laughs> it was all because i dream. loved that scene in the first film that was one of my favorite scenes when they're like maybe oh god it could actually be sorry but it was so well no but that it was all it was all the thing of well fuck it's either the sequel has to address the fact that either it is it is a dream or it isn't and we just went the opposite direction these are these are nitpicky questions okay uh how long do you envisage the anti-serum sequence taking it seems quite a, a big, th- like, is in her to make an anti-serum under such pressure whilst also being shot at and I, stuff. I mean, it's... I now have the full excuse of, it is all a dream. And so <laughs> yeah. if it seems unrealistic... Um, this is but, true, this is true. So I wrote these before. I, yeah. I mean, I, I nearly put in that she could have a line that while she was working on it, she was secretly working on the antidote at the same time. So maybe she just needs to like maintain the machines or something. But not not massively long because yeah. it, I, I admit the film may have some pacing issues given that it has that whole slow ending. So I'd want yeah. to compress that ending into like maybe 10 minutes max so yeah. the action climax is still the action climax um but yeah we'll we'll see how that goes on set you know <laughs> in the editing bay um i like the twist at the end do you think the audiences will i have no idea <laughs> i have no idea i think like i was trying to i was trying to think about what the first movie is trying to say because the yeah. short story and the and the Arnie one are both basically built on the ambiguity and the spectacle of it. The the short story yeah. is all about what is reality, what's real, what isn't, who knows. Mm-hmm. Arnie is a bit of that, but with three breasted women and blood. Yeah. This one is at least pretending to have something to say about colonialism and imperialism and and class warfare and things. So I kind of I wanted to go in that direction so I would hope that audiences I feel like I'm I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too I'm trying to have the big action movie but then at the end be like hey guys imperialism's really fucking bad and if there's a big capitalist society giving you shit organize get together with other people and stand up to them yeah okay do you think are you going to hint any uh, any more um in the first half of the film so like if people want to go back and rewatch it are you going to hint at this being possibly a dream like are you going to put in easter eggs and stuff while i was writing it i i I could have made this clearer while i was writing i was thinking of things again like i was saying about the original the fact that cohagen is there leading the invasion but Mm. despite being the president it was things like having the president walk into the interrogation room is only something that would happen in a film or a dream it's not something that would be real yeah um there if i were to actually sit down and write the script i would try to add those things in but honestly i cannot think of any other examples <laughs> yeah. um all right yeah. uh, and lastly do you think it may be anticlimactic the end 
it definitely has the potential to be however picture what i said to set to effectively time from inception but yeah. new okay. like if uh, i would hope that a well-crafted montage and an emotional speech about togetherness and unity while there's a big building score would work and hope hopefully all the people who just came for the action have had that they just have to sit through another eight minutes at the end <laughs> okay thank you drew now is a wonderful pitch thank you and now it's time for the one the only andy to do your pitch so your pitch time starts Mine is just called Total Recall 2 for the moment. Text on screen. The company known as Recall was bought by an unknown investor who shut down all commercial business. It's been 10 years since anyone has heard about Recall. Most of the population has forgotten it ever existed. Alex and his wife go into town for some bits for dinner. They start walking down the aisle of their local supermarket, excited for their four-year anniversary coming up in a few days. They reminisce about good times and laugh at old jokes. Suddenly, a gunshot can be heard, and a bag of flour in between Ellie and Alex explodes, uh, causing a giant puff of smoke. Alex starts coughing, and the the shadow of a figure starts walking through the smoke. Uh, Alex sees the figure raise its arms, and we hear the gun cock. Uh, Alex is frozen with fear when suddenly Ellie spears the figure to the ground. Alex sees Ellie wrestling with the figure, another woman, and the woman kicks Ellie to the other side of the room. Alex runs over to his wife and stands between her and the gunner. The woman raises her gun and shouts, Get down, John! Alex doesn't know who this John is, and as the woman gets closer, Ellie picks up a nearby bottle and throws it at the woman, creating the opportune moment to take the woman down. The gun slides over to Alex and he tries to aim it at the woman who attacked him, but every time he gets a clear shot, the woman rolls over, causing Ellie to become a shield. Ellie knocks. Uh, Ellie gets knocked out, and Alex. Hold on. Ellie gets. Ne- Ellie, get, Ellie gets knocked out, and Alex aims the gun uh, at the woman who who pleads with him not to shoot, as he was never her target. His wife was. Alex asks the woman to explain, but the sound of police sirens can be heard in the background. The woman says they haven't got a lot of time, and pleads with Alex to come back where, come back with her where everything will be explained. Alex refuses and tries to leave, but the woman knocks him out. When Alex awakens, he finds himself in the secret hideout of the colony. The woman says her name is Mia and something has gone wrong with the mission. Mia talks about how she is John's r- wife. John is Alex in, the, in this. Uh, she speaks um, about past memories and even shows them photos of them together. And then there's a big asterisk here which could possibly come back to the end. Uh, Mia quickly reminds us of the war between the FUB and the colony and how the colony are the good guys. Alex says he hears that the colony are the bad guys, but Mia responds saying that's what he's heard... Um, from the um, news as it's been owned by the FUB. Mia explains Alex is high up in the ranks of the colony and volunteered for a mission that would would replace memories with fake ones, a process called recall. He had his memories of fighting for the colony removed and replaced with fake memories they created for him wanting to serve and be loyal to the FUB. Alex says that's impossible, but Mia tells him recall can have you believe the false reality in front of your eyes. But something has gone wrong in the mission and she thinks the UFB have found out he's a spy and have trapped him. They're now using recall to play out memories so they can extract information about the colony. Right now he is a, he is a prisoner drugged and trapped uh, he right now he is a prisoner drugged and tra- trapped to a chair in a secret UFB hideout. Alex asks who she is if uh, if this whole thing is fake. Amir says she is a firewall that has been implanted into his brain by the colony in case something like this would happen. She's the one keeping the UFB from knowing the secrets that would destroy them. The only way to break free uh, is an act of commitment that would reassure the brain where the, where his loyalty lies. Mia asks Alex to say everything he knows about the colony. Alex starts talking about everyday things he would have heard in the news, but Mia says that's not good enough and he must kill his wife, who they've taken prisoner, as that's the last hope of him breaking free and waking up. Mia asks Alex. Mia gives Alex her gun and makes him point it at his wife. Alex hesitates. Just then, the wall explodes and FUB robots or synths in, start invading the room. They they start firing and stun Alex, Mia, and, a mem- and, and other members of the colony. Alex wakes up in the UFB's hideout. Ellie greets Alex and says things aren't what they seem. He is an agent who is 
signed up to a mission, a mission that involved him infiltrating the colony, gaining their trust and learning information that will cause their demise. But in order to do this, he had to undergo the recall procedure. He is and always has been an, a UFB agent, and they have his real memories ready to be implanted back into his head. But first, they need to get the, all the information he knows about the, fall of the colony, about the fall of the colony out of his head. Alex resists at first but is put into recall, and just as it begins, warning signs appear. It appears Ellie can't perform recall as the colony has put a chip in his brain corrupting the system. Ellie puts a gun to Alex and says, The colony has got to you! And she waves the gun in the air and demands to know what Alex has told the colony. But Alex said he hasn't told them anything. Ellie pushes Alex to the ground and puts a gun to his head again and shouts, Tell me everything you told me about the UFB! Alex breaks down and she doesn't Alex breaks down and says he doesn't know anything. Ellie tells Alex that he has been fed lies about the colony. They are the bad guys who are causing the trouble and UFB are trying to clean it up. Ellie says Alex has gone soft and he must show his commitment to the UFB by shooting a member of the colony. Ellie picks up Mia and throws her to the floor in front of Alex. Before Alex can do anything, the rest of the colony bursts through the doors with vengeance in their eyes and a fight begins. Alex starts running away, followed by Mia and Ellie. They end up on the top of the building, trapped. Ellie and Mia fight, and the gun ends up sliding over to Alex. He picks it up and aims it at both the women. Both women try to convince him that they're his real love, and he has been captured by the enemy, and they're trying to get secrets about the other's base. Mia says he is a prisoner of the FUB, and she is a firewall implanted by the colony to help if things turn to shit. If he kills her, he will be shutting off the firewall and allowing the UFB inside his mind to search for memories for ways to kill the colony. Ellie says that he is a UFB agent and the colony kidnapped him and fabricated lies in order to convince him that they are the good guys. They are the ones who have trapped him and are performing recall. In order to keep him from getting their secrets that will kill her, his friends, and then, uh, and then they take over the country, he must shoot Mia. They can't run away. Um, he must shoot Mia. Then they can run away uh, until she finds him in reality and they can finally truly be together. Alex doesn't know what to do. All he knows is that his life is fake and he is currently prisoner, but he doesn't know who to. The gun bounces back and forth between Ellie and Mia, each one pleading for their life. Alex knows his choice. Killing one of these women and joining, and joining the other side will stop the war, but what side does he choose? Ellie tells Alex to ask Mia how he got his scar on his leg. This is uh, the asterisk coming back to here. Alex is confused, but Ellie insists if she knows you like she says she does, she would know the story. Alex points the gun to Mia, who thinks, but then smiles and confidently says, it was, an a it was a bike accident when you were five. Alex turns back to Ellie and asks, how do I get the scar on my leg? And she replies, you don't have a scar on your leg. Mia manages to get out. No, he had a scar on his before a bullet flies through her brain. He she drops to the floor, dead. Alex and Ellie run up and Ellie says, you didn't believe the false reality in front of you and they kiss. Alex looks confused and says, where did you hear that? But Ellie says, quick, we have to move. And they both run off. We zoom in on Ellie smiling as they both run off into the distance. Mmm. Okay. Wow. <laughs> that was a tongue tie. Bloody hell. Should have come up with easier names. Should have done your yeah. vocal warm ups first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Andy. <clears throat> it seems. Mm. Apart from the opening scene and the ending bit, that it all seems to be in one room. Is am I right? Um, in that in the interrogation. Uh, no, because they'd be like... going. They spend a little bit of time there, kind of getting to know. They got to spend enough time to know the base, warm up to the the person that they're speaking to, either Ellie or or Mia. Um, so no, I mean like they do that and then. Oh yeah, they're, they're staying in the base, but it won't be uh, one room. Yeah. Um, how are you going to make us care about these characters uh, and the females, especially uh, at the end, because to make that to make that scene really work? Um, and uh, are we gonna are we gonna have enough time to learn about those two? Yeah. Uh, well, the idea girls. of when I was thinking about this is when I was watching Recall. I think Drew picked up on this a bit earlier. He um, the scenes where that don't feature Colin Farrell. Do Colin does Colin Farrell see that? Because mm. if he does, yeah. then he's obviously in a dream. So what I wanted to do is basically have the main character Alex basically be the focus of every shot almost be in the middle of every shot it's going to it's going to be kind of filmed as a one shot but not actually like a one shot 
Um, so we'll never, we'll never see even like the bits where there's um, Brian Cranston's talking to Kate Beckinsale, and it just says, "We need to find him." Oh, I'll find him. You better find him. Like some useless information to the actual like story. There'd be none of that in, yeah. uh, in the film. It'd be, it'd literally if, be like there's a gunshot. If it was a dream, he wouldn't be dreaming that. Yeah. So like the gunshot at the start, there's not going to be, you know, the the audience isn't going to see a shadowy figure. The act, the the main character might see someone looking a bit suspicious, but he'd be like, "Meh." So. Um, yeah, the idea was basically yeah. you you only get the information that's basically on the screen, and the audience okay. has to make literally make their own mind up. Do you think that it may be hard to draw an audience in without Colin Farrell and uh, the people that were in the original? No, I don't think so. Uh, you can get more stunt casting if you like big names. Um, How come you chose to? go a different like not because to have I felt them. constricted I started to think about what I could do with the same characters but since they've already been through our experience I don't think you can have the same yeah, kind of story with the same characters yeah again kind of, kind of like my Willy Wonka where I focus more on the world the characters weren't important it's the the idea of recall and what that does well uh, that's all I have for you well done so it's now that time we're going long on this episode but um, let's go th- for each be- person, and I want you to tell me why I should pick yours over there, uh, over everyone else's. So let's go with Andy first. Let's go with Andy first. Uh, so mine, um, the main thing I think it will be the way it's it's filmed, the way it's shot. That's going to be um, really intriguing. I don't think anything's been seen like that before. Um, uh, other than that, it's it's if anyone's watched has watched Clue. If you if you haven't go watch Clue, it's great. But it's a great um, film where you you pick an ending at the end, and that's what I think you, you you have to do with mine. It's it's still ambiguous where the other two are. You've got an answer, I think, to the to the first film's question of is is it real? Where mine still plays mm-hmm. on that. Okay, and Drew, I think that mine is the way to go because I've sort of lent into the themes that the first film was trying to implement and maybe not succeeding at particularly well um so trying to draw out a little of that you've still got the action you've still got the intrigue but with a more emotional and hopefully thoughtful point at the end um i think that with andy's andy's right he he his can still be ambiguous but for me personally, the ambiguity at the end of the first one frustrated the living hell out of me. And if I went to watch the second one and it still didn't make it clear, I'd be livid. But that is just me. <laughs> um, and with Matt's, I, 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 I fully admit, like between mine and Matt's, you're going to have maybe a little bit of trouble picking between the two of them because there are many similarities. But mine came from my brain, so pick that one. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. And Matt? Cool. Well, to address that immediately, I feel like <laughs> Drew made an honest sequel with a very pretty ending. Um, I feel like I made a even more honest sequel with a much more kind of dramatic opportunity and financially viable ending that could offer you a third film with the major war between the UFB and the colony. Um, mm-hmm. I make much more use of Kate Beckinsale, uh, which is always a positive. Um, on that note, Andy doesn't make any use of any of the star quality cast that the first film had. He brings in low three randoms who I didn't. I don't know if Andy even mentioned casting for it. He just said it's an opportunity for new casting. It sounds pretty, you know. He sounds like he's got some creative vibes, but. I don't think the audience that loved the first Total Recall film are going to suddenly want to watch an art noir film brought by a new director and a new style completely. I feel like mine captures the craziness and the sci-fi action thriller that was Total Recall and it offers up the most exciting sequel. Okay. Plus some real plot twists with <laughs> bad guy Hauser actually coming through, like Drew did, to be fair. I can see that there's a lot of... Clearly, Drew, uh, clearly Hauser and Medina need to fight at some point in the second film. <laughs> but. Okay. I am struggling this time 
this has probably been the strongest pitches uh we've done so far um matt yeah i like i like the fact that you bring kate beckinsale back um i also like the the whole uh rivalry between the colony and um and i like i like that sort of thing that you're exploring with that um drew i really like your twist like your twist has really got me interested andy yours is it reminds me of it's kind of a little bit like 10 cloverfield lane like it's in that same world but it's very like it's 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 different which i like as well um really good i haven't actually seen that so don't go into it too much andy (laughs) i know i watch it now right now i will watch it tonight log off and watch it now i mean if you win you can tell us to do a sequel to it so (laughs) um i'm gonna say it's between drew and andy sorry matt what (laughs) (laughs) bullshit man i thought i had a great part of me part of me doesn't want drew to win again but Uh this go, is go with your heart, man. Go with your heart. I I'm sorry, Andy. <laughs> it's gonna have to be Drew. As much as I it pains me. I oh, like damn. I like the I like the twist. I think the twist got me. Um, Even though it's a bit of a letdown at the, the it last It is 10 minutes. a bit of a letdown, yeah. It's the most boring so eight minutes have... of film you'll ever fucking watch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think it'll be a. I think it'll be. It'll have to. It would have to be a really well shot end to the film to, and it ha- it would have to be worked really well, um, and div- you know directed well. I'd say. But it was just a twist. It's got it's, it got me. Um, I did like yours though, Andy, and yours was very close to winning this week. So yeah, Drew, you win. Unfortunately, fucker. <laughs> so Drew, God damn it. what film are we doing next week? All right. So I I, I thought about this because like I've picked some really difficult ones for you guys I mean like mainly Willy Wonka was really was not a fun one to sequelize so I am going to pick a movie that's going to give you guys a bit more free reign to come up with just your coolest wackiest idea that you can go with so I would like you guys to watch and then pitch me the sequel for 2018's Ruben Fleischer directed Tom Hardy starring superhero origin movie Venom oh so there we have it so where can you find that Drew Uh, once again it is as far as we know currently still available on Netflix UK good so give it a watch and we will see you next week. So give us a follow on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're all there. Tell us your ideas for your um, sequel to uh, Total Recall. Uh, we'd love to hear what your ideas are. And, um, yeah, we will see you next week. Say goodbye, everyone. Oh, yeah, we Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye everyone. Should we do this again so it's a bit better or just leave it? Nah. <laughs>